1: To the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast, Sam.
2: We woo, <laughs> we woo, we woo. Emergency <laughs> podcast time, folks! It's our first one in a long time. Sound Very the alarm, time.
1: yeah! It's official. I mean, not quite, I guess, but once Woj tweets about it, it seems like things tend to come true. And today, Adrian Wojnarowski himself tweeted out that the Phoenix Suns are going to be purchased by matt ishbia a wholesale retail mortgage company guy <laughs> worth about five billion dollars uh who will uh now own the sons and, and robert sarver will now forever be gone from the nba how you feeling um
2: yeah so interesting uh pretty good definitely pretty good um I just want to be honest on a couple things first right so this news this is an emergency podcast this news broke an hour ago Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the only details we know is that uh, the purchase hasn't been finalized it's just likely to be finalized soon Uh, as soon as
1: today apparently
2: yeah and that Woj gave us the purchase point of four billion dollars for the organization did you know Matt Ishbia's name before this news dropped would you be surprised if I said that his name has been
1: mentioned on this podcast
2: before On this podcast? On this very podcast. I would be surprised because it's evidence that I really don't listen very well. (laughs) (laughs) I I brought him up.
1: I I brought him up in the past because Bill Simmons mentioned him on his podcast and I took a note of it and it was in previous notes from previous podcasts when we initially talked about that. Um, so we have actually talked about him before. Did I know anything about him? You,
2: you talked about him before That's
1: I, Yeah, that's I, I talked you about <laughs> him before. <laughs> you can take you, the uh, credit on <laughs> You one. heard his name. I, I Googled him. I've Googled him twice. Uh, one day was that day. <laughs> and the other day is today where we, uh, figure out who he is and, and what he's all about. And look, obviously and how we, can pick him we don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. We don't really know much about him, so we're just kind of shooting from the hip here. But I think it's a momentous day regardless, and we had to record a podcast. What we do know, though, is that he's worth about $5.59 billion, which I googled it as well, would make him a top 10 richest owner in the NBA, 8th richest based on some article I found uh, ranking how rich each of the owners are his brother Justin Ishbia is apparently a part of the ownership group as well. Justin, I assume, was part of the mortgage company. It was a mortgage company he, his he dad is. owned that he took over. He's got he's worth two point two, two point two billion dollars. Um, yep. for Justin, so together combined, if you add them together, they're top ten richest owners. Even without Justin,
2: Matt would be the eighth richest owner in the NBA. He's forty two years old. Yeah, that also is interesting because it makes him the youngest owner now. Yeah. As far as I know. I think so, unless uh, unless the
1: Qualtrics owner of the Jazz is Ryan, younger. Uh, Ryan sure.
2: Smith. Ryan Smith. I, I think he's even younger than Ryan Smith. I'll verify that real quick. It uh, is interesting, too. He's a Michigan guy, like someone
1: we are big fans of, Devin Booker. Ryan Smith is 44. 44. So, yeah, he, he must be the youngest owner in the NBA at this point, which means he has the potential to be around – for a very long time for 50 Samuel. years <laughs> yeah it could be
2: fi- we don't know it could be 80 years uh, maybe yeah. maybe he's immortal maybe they'll solve <laughs> that in the next 50 years and he'll be the the indefinite yeah. owner we don't know
1: he he played for Michigan State basketball he was a point guard tiny little guy well not i mean he's like 5'11 small for basketball uh he was on technically a walk on on the national champion Michigan State team in 1999 he played there until 2002 basically three seasons didn't really
2: play much um although I saw you you posted his highlight reel I did I found highlights he played enough to scrape together a two-minute highlight reel that I assume you found (laughs) garbage time and uh, and immediately posted (laughs) well
1: it's interesting because um I watched the there's a real sports with Bryant Gumbel segment on Matt Ishbia, which just so coincidentally, quote unquote, came out just before Thanksgiving. So not that long ago, a few weeks ago at this point, uh, that they called him the most popular benchwarmer in Michigan State history. And they had highlights of standing ovations for him. The fans loved him, probably because he was just like a 5'11 regular looking secret millionaire (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) who was a walk-on on the team. And apparently every time he came in, even in garbage time, just attempted to stat pad because he thought, if I don't prove I can play now, I'll never play again, (laughs) which is fair and something that Eddie Johnson mentions a lot with guys in the NBA. Uh, So he's a basketball guy, good
2: or bad, Sam. Uh, That's really interesting, by the way. Um, Just another thing about that, he played with former son, jason richardson on those spartans teams and jason richardson already took to his twitter profile and um congratulated him in the first hour so i thought that was interesting they obviously have a good relationship from their days playing there um as for him being a basketball player i mean i think it's 80 percent a good thing there's one reservation i have about it which i guess i'll get to it next the good stuff about it i think is pretty obvious He's apparently invested a lot of money in recent years back into that program at Michigan State and upgrading their they, facilities. They, s- they said
1: in the real sports thing that he's the largest sports booster for MSU, so he's donated yeah. the most money. Yeah. So MSU. you
2: know, giving yeah. back to that community that was obviously an important part for him growing up and and where he got to play his highest level of basketball. It's clear that the dude cares about basketball, right? Like he's a hoop head. And that's objectively just a great thing, if it you know, to see in in an owner because there's potential there for a guy who doesn't just care about his bottom line. Even even if he owes a a certain, you know, if he owes something to his entire board of uh, investors or or whoever else is going to be coming in here because there are going to be more investors than just his brother in this in this uh, organization. Uh, it's, it's just good to have a guy who cares about basketball, uh, running things. Now, that being said, the reason I say that I do have one worry about this is because, uh, GM positions, I mean, we're going to have some really interesting decisions made by this guy now over the Mm -hmm. next year or two, maybe over the next couple months, I don't know where, uh, he gets to decide to what extent it's going to be a clean house, you know? I mean a lot of executives could be on their way out. Um, I don't think there would be any major shakeups at the front office, like basketball operations level for the Suns, before the end of this season. I, I don't see any reason why there would be. That would be kind of absurd to me. But like, starting this offseason and then moving on from there, uh, he's he could be evaluating everyone based on their basketball merit uh, and, and how he judges their basketball ability. And again, from a guy who is A fan of basketball that could be a good thing that could be a bad thing if he overestimates his own basketball evaluation abilities a little bit too too much and ultimately tries to meddle in business where he shouldn't you know we've seen that be an issue with some owners in the past so that's the only reason I say like there there is a reason to be cautious Uh, but overall I, I think it's a good thing to have an owner who actually cares about the sport that he's investing in for sure he He's going to
1: care about basketball. I think if you can learn anything about him, if you do any research about him, if you watch that propaganda piece in HBO, he clearly is going to care a lot about having a winner. And he's probably going to be the type of guy who uh, has very high standards and high expectations for these teams. Like you said, that can be good and that can be bad. It's good in the sense that it costs money to have a winner. so And he's going to know that. And I think there's a good chance that you can expect there to be a proper level of investment in this team uh, for him. So that's going to be good. Uh, The other part is, you know, sometimes uh, that means you're trading things that you shouldn't be trading. Sometimes that means making rash decisions, firing coaches, firing general managers a little too early and that kind of thing. Um, but I think you're right. I think he's gonna come to the Suns and he's gonna evaluate everyone. You know, nobody's safe right now. That's what happens with owners. You know, uh, we can talk about what this means for James Jones and Monty Williams. W- the reality is, we don't know. You know, I think it's a partic- a particularly interesting time for the team to be sold in that it's before the trade deadline. It's before the January fifteenth deadline uh, for DeAndre to be traded, right? And what that means is the limbo that the Suns were in that I talked about previously with no owner essentially even though there was technically an owner made it more difficult for things to happen if this deal gets done soon which Woj did say in his follow-up article on ESPN.com that it can be done soon moves might be made moves might be made basketball wise it might be made operations wide you know lots of things could happen for this team relatively quickly and there is someone now that could potentially be in place very soon that can have the ability of approving those things Uh, now i just just from an overall perspective i want to ask you sam what do you what do you want in an nba owner because i think we should we (laughs) should talk about that because what makes a good one what's the wish list right i mean if we could list
2: out a number of things that we actually want um there are a few priorities for me number one And this should be. This is really the the base level. This is the bare minimum that the bar that we kind of weren't clearing previously, uh, which is treat all of your employees with respect and dignity. That's number one. Uh, So hopefully, to be fair, we don't know that Matt's going to do that. We don't. (laughs) No, we're just hoping he does. We hope he does. That's all we can do. We can we can hope. Um, I thought it was encouraging the fact that I did a quick Google search and I didn't see. I couldn't dig up any real dirt on the guy other than that. You know, I mean, let's be honest, folks, there's no clean, I'm not sure that there's any clean way to make a billion dollars and mortgage lending historically is not, you know, there there are dirty tricks in every business, right? But just from a quick Google search, we could not see anything any damaging information about this guy. So at this time, there's there's no reason to believe that he would come in and mistreat those employees. Let's um, call it just don't, don't be a completely garbage person. Don't be an ass. Just don't be an ass. <laughs> don't be a completely garbage one. person. That's number right. one. Step and, one, I agree. But it's important because that's step one. Because if you can't clear that, then I don't really care about steps two, three, and four. So it's important that you clear step one. Step two, for me, I mean, this is where you start to talk about basketball. I guess it's a few things, right? I, the thing that I think fans care about the most is luxury tax put the money on the table are we right are we right i think like i think luxury tax is what fans are going to look at first and say they're going to point at guys like joe la and they're going to say be like that be willing to foot a massive luxury tax bill whether or not the roster merits it sometimes it will sometimes it won't to be entirely honest
1: If you're unwilling to do that, you're having a general manager operate with one hand tied behind his back, no matter what. I think there's that's sort of a basic baseline of you can do this. Therefore, the freedom of what you're capable of doing, whether or not you take advantage of the luxury tax
2: is much, much more. I think there's room for for compromise in the conversation, because certainly it's on my list. I want an owner who's willing to go into the luxury tax. I I agree with you 100 percent. An owner who's not willing. Uh, point blank to go into the luxury mm-hmm. tax you're just you're dead you're 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 dead in the water you don't have a chance and we'll call number two investment we want them to invest in well, the team right? but there's many ways of investment right so like so right. there's that there's that whole conversation and again like you said at the beginning of the episode robert sarver was the uh in terms of assets the or equity the poorest owner in the nba ishbia comes in and he's top 10 there's way more potential there that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean he's going to be footing 200 million dollar luxury tax bills year to year but he can dip his uh he can dip his toes maybe in that sort of thing if he really cares he's Um, paying
1: a record amount for the suns by the way four billion dollars the most a team has ever been sold for the previous most was i think 2.5 or something billion dollars the lakers when they sold a small portion of their stake were valued at $5 Five billion, so technically more value, more valuable, but they didn't sell a full uh stake, ownership stake of the team. The Suns did, by the way, should mention that real quick. Four billion dollars means he bought the whole team. All of the minority owners are now bought out. That means nobody that Robert Sarver chose to be part of his ownership group will stick around unless Matt Ishbia decides to allow
2: them to be part of the ownership group that he's creating, which, which is just, I think, an important thing to mention. He very well may. I feel like we may get details yeah. on that in the coming weeks yeah. um, with a lot of those guys. uh. Okay, basketball. Investment. That's the word you used, right? Yeah. So there's investment in terms of luxury tax and roster additions. Huge, 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 huge for me on my list. Get a G League team. Show investment. Yeah. Yeah. make us believe in the long-term viability of the product again, not just that you can bring in the right GM for one, two, three years, even at a time, and, like, assemble a, a roster of veterans, but make us believe in the whole process again. And G- the the G League scouting process, the overall scouting process, to bring in better and more scouts, in my opinion, uh, should be part of this as well. It's, it's just all of that is a must-have. I
1: just don't think you can be competitive on the floor without being competitive off the floor. You know what I mean? Like there's the product, there's the basketball players, there's the coaches. And then there's what the general manager and the scouting department can do. There's the practice facility, which we talked about for years before the Suns had one. There's the uh, G league team. And then there's the everything beyond that, how they actually fill that practice facility and that G league team with the proper talent and build it out all the way down the line it just it takes everything it takes every part of an organization to win an NBA title especially if you don't have LeBron James (laughs) you can get away with a lot when you have somebody like LeBron James without that you kind of need an organization similar to some of the best that we've seen I think Warriors Spurs get a shout out for those specific things so that's investment anything else that comes to mind when you think about it because I think the third thing has to be a lack of meddling right (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah sure lack like of allowing meddling. the basketball
1: um, guys to do the basketball thing
2: I'm not sure we're gonna know that for a while though well we won't I don't it's think but that step. is it's part of the wish list I but think, it would be nice important thing to mention like you said with him coming in before the trade deadline here it would be nice to have a show of faith in James Jones at least to see out the season which I expect again yeah like, I do too, I, do too. I, I I said it before I think it would be insane to I, I definitely think that some of the more problematic characters in the Suns not their basketball front office but their executives those people could gone, be yeah. those could people could be ousted within tomorrow. the next week tomorrow <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but we're if not if the sale goes down yeah those guys are looking for other jobs already <laughs> I and and yeah. you know who we're talking about but we're not talking about like James Jones is safe until the end of the season i would assume Monty I, Williams I, I is don't. safe until the end of, he would be insane it, it would be i have one ludicrous
1: one small caveat to that I don't think they're going to get fired. I do think there is a small chance that somebody like Matt, if he takes over, for example, in the next week, that he tries to bring in one of his own guys to join their team, if you
2: will. What if he makes his brother GM? <laughs> he brings in his brother and says, you're GM now? Could his you, brother couldn't even make a walk-on. Walk could, you, could you imagine how, just, how much of a dumpster fire this thing could turn into? I within, mean... Like, a week (laughs) Brian Colangelo Jerry Colangelo I mean no but in all seriousness I mean I hope he comes in and I hope he gives James Jones that show of faith and also understands his role in all this history do you remember when Robert Starver first purchased the Suns it took quite a while I think for people to catch on to the fact not even about who he was as a person but for people to catch on to the fact that he was a terrible owner because he came in and the team won sixty two games and had their best yeah. season in in a while, and everyone loved the guy. Like there was an instant PR bump just from having that.
1: And uh, then he sold
2: a draft pick. <laughs> and then he sold the draft picks, which he shouldn't have yeah. done. But if while they had, were contending, if he had played his cards right, he could have. He would have been able to ride that that boost for for quite a long time. And if Ishbia is smart, then he'll understand that he should put his research, He should have a conversation with James Jones as early as possible and say tell me what you need in order to win a championship right now and I'll do my best here because if he comes in and in year one wins a championship as the new owner of the sons, uh, whether he deserves it or not, quite honestly, people are going to worship the guy.
1: Yeah, so he should absolutely. Try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all Suns fans really. That's the thing they're missing. That's, that's all we want um, is that, but yeah, I think it's important. Let basketball people do their basketball thing, but just to reiterate what I was talking about there for a second is that, you know, I think often what these guys do is they say, "Yeah, continue doing your job." I just want somebody that is sort of mine in there, if you will, and he can hire somebody to join that team. And look, I think that the I, I think that the Suns have a pretty small general management team. Maybe James Jones likes it, as he said. Maybe he was just carrying water for Robert Sarver and saying that he's okay having a team of only six guys. Uh, but you know, hiring more people to help out that team isn't always a bad thing. But I do think there is an element of watching her back a little bit when it comes to that. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Quickly, just on how he made his money. he's He owns uh, a mortgage company. His dad was the original owner of that mortgage company. If the ESPN real sports uh, propaganda piece is to be believed, he took <laughs> over that company with 12 employees or seven employees or something like that and then now it has 7000 and this is what it, the supposed uh, growth that took place specifically under Matt as his as the leader of the company so yes he was rich but he did appear to have expanded
2: that company pretty dramatically to make him the rich man that he is that uh today that propaganda piece by the way i'm going to go on a tangent but it shows them having like it it talks about <laughs> <laughs> his his basketball experience right and look first of oh, all yeah. i'm all for for sports metaphors i like sports yeah. i do right but for me when i'm working it's like okay leave it at home a little bit you know because they show they show all of the team members like i'm talking oh, yeah. like 50 people in a huge yeah. ass circle in this big yeah. office building who have to meet at the beginning uh, of their <laughs> shift and and like do a big team huddle and then wait, wait in in the huddle the guy
1: says I watch Mighty Ducks every Thursday. <laughs> I watch Mighty
2: Ducks. He said that for the cameras, man. There's, Thursday. there's no way. There's no way. But I was just thinking. I really hope they don't actually make them do that at the start of every shift because it's like, look, man. I get that you like sports. You played basketball. That's great. I like oh, the enthusiasm, yeah. but tone it down uh, a little bit. We're here to make money. <laughs> it, you know, it's not, it's not Game Seven of the Finals they end they ended the huddle with
1: one two three family which is what the sons and i assume vin diesel do all the time and shout out to them for doing that but once i saw the clips of their office it was an open air office first of all one of my pet peeves i hate open air offices they're always like these tech guys who think oh it's great when we can all hear what everyone else is doing it's like yeah no that sucks and i saw guys on the phone like swinging golf clubs while talking to clients. And I'm like, what the boiler room bullshit is this? (laughs) (laughs) And look, this is what it takes for finances guys to make billions of dollars. So it is what it is. But I did have that moment of going, yeah, this is still, you know, this is still a billionaire who made his money in finance. And, and look, ultimately, there's a lot of douchebags in that industry. I, I, no, but,
2: <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. There are a lot of douchebags in every industry. And again, we just don't know. We we yeah. we don't know the guy. We can't speak on it. I was slightly relieved by the fact, though, honestly, that he's a mortgage guy or whatever, and but that he's not a tech guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My my biggest worries for for new ownership were I didn't want it to be Peter Thiel I didn't want okay, it yeah. to be I didn't want it to be a Middle Eastern oil baron yeah. that was number two and then number yeah. three I didn't want it to be a tech guy and you know there are some good tech guys but it's just those are also the loudest guys yeah and yeah. and the most the the people who carry the greatest desire to be both filthy rich <laughs> and for everyone <laughs> to like them at the same time I think we're seeing that it's play true. out in some very very relevant real-time situations right now um you know just an old-fashioned if you will businessman who just kind of stays in the back and like does his thing and yes he he has billions of dollars and yes we don't know exactly how he made those billions of dollars and if every dollar there is clean uh but at the end of the day he shuts the hell up (laughs) and keeps himself out of the public spotlight i think there's something to be admired there and there is there's something that i do appreciate about that in an owner how, how do we feel about Matt with one T though? That's fine. I don't I'm care.
1: not sure I like that. <laughs> I feel I feel like it's it says something about you when you choose when you choose to go by Matt with one. It's not like his. I, I assume Matthew. His name is Matthew. Now I got to find out if he spells Matthew with one T. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Because what are you gonna do? It's if he two does? T's. It's two T's, so he is particularly. He's being very specific. We'll try to get you. Oh, you know what? It's one T on Wikipedia. Okay, Google's lying to me. Okay, I take it back. Matt with one T. His parents spelled Matthew with one T. If that's the case, all right. It is what it is. It's on his parents. It's It's on on his parents. parents. And by the way, uh, I should mention his purchase includes the Phoenix Mercury as well. Great. Uh, So he he is owning both teams, which we assumed would be part of the sale. Um, so we'll see how Tom Izzo likes being the coach of the Phoenix Mercury in the future <laughs> because that's going to be really interesting. Okay, that's that's
2: a, another interesting angle about it, by the way, is obviously with all the Spartan connections, y- mm-hmm. you mentioned Tom Izzo. Uh, is Draymond Green inevitably going to be I have a son at some point now?
1: I have a list of all the MSU players in of- the NBA specifically for this conversation. Because of course you do. Okay, hit me with it. <laughs> I can only think okay. of two. Okay. For the rest. Uh Draymond Green. Yes. Who's the second one? Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. is without a doubt the best MSU basketball player currently in the NBA. The rest of them, there's six. Jeez. Max Christie. Nope. Bryn
2: Forbes. <laughs> nope. Gary Harris. Remember, I'm not a college basketball guy, okay? So I don't <laughs> I remembered like Jaron Jackson Jr. playing in college, but no. Yeah. Max Christie, well, they, not a chance. Yeah. Gary Harris. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Xavier
1: Tillman. Yeah, I re- actually do have memories of him, too. I remember DeAndre in posting him up, spinning around, and dunking on his head <laughs> in a game against the Memphis Grizzlies about a year and a half ago, and it blew my mind. And I thought, from that moment on, I was like, Xavier Tillman sucks, right? I, I don't know how to, like, maybe he is good. <laughs> I really don't know. But that moment did affect how I think of him. So, yeah, I'm going to read them all again. Max Christie, Brynforms, Bryn Forbes, Draymond Green, Gary Harris, Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman. Obviously, if we're going to make a list of MSU guys that we want Matt Ishbia to go after, Jaron Jackson Jr. is
2: at the top of that list, I would say, right? By far. Yeah, throw those six guys together on a roster, and I think you're winning about six games with them over the course of a season. (laughs) That's about how good that group is. But Jaron Jackson Jr., way above the rest. Yeah. Okay. And the last, yeah. the last thing we have to say about the whole state of Michigan thing, though, right? Who's for Michigan? Devin Booker. Yeah. What did Devin Booker wear to last night's game when he was inactive? That's right. A
1: Detroit Red Wings. Uh, it was a jersey hoodie type yeah, of thing. Jer- jersey <laughs> hoodie. Yeah. It was. It was sweet. By the way, it looked great. Who's the Who's the sponsor on those Detroit Red Wings jerseys? Sam, do you have any idea? Uh, I keep
2: forgetting the name of his company. It's U M W.
1: That's right, United. United. Wait, what does it
2: stand for? United United Wholesale Mortgage Company, which is the company that Matt Ishbia owns. Oh, it's U W M then for sure. UW- United Wholesale. Yes. See, I keep fucking it up. United Wholesale <laughs> Mortgage Company. There, there, Book we go. New. Yeah, book knew. too much. And of look, if you're gonna buy
1: the Suns, you're gonna give Devin Booker a call, and also <laughs> and that's... talk to him before Devin Booker
2: definitely knew before the public knew. It's just also like it would be Booker's way of making a statement without making a statement, <laughs> right? Right. Like 100%. it just would be his way yeah. of saying I'm it's just acknowledging, very Devin Booker. I'm yeah. acknowledging that this is happening. Yeah, in a way that only like three percent of the population will ever respond to or even notice because i'm not going to say anything about it publicly until you know now that the news is out people are going to ask him and i'm sure he'll have whatever to say about it i can't imagine he says anything controversial um but i think it was his way of supporting the move to be entirely honest if i had to yeah. uh if i had to guess
1: i'm sure he loves that it. it's a michigan guy i'm sure he loves that uh that's that's something and a hooper he, it seems like he would care we can't hooper. emphasize enough yeah. he's a Hooper. I mean good enough to be a walk on. Hi. Yeah, that makes him one of the best ten thousand basketball players in First the game. First in the probably. gym, last to leave.
2: <laughs> scrappy guy. Scrappy gym rat. <laughs> <laughs> I used that one on Twitter already. I'm just gonna keep yelling him out. No, it's they're gonna be the, we're gonna joke a lot about check Matt are in on Twitter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every time, time Shamit every
1: time Shamit checks in. Uh, I, I joked about Tom Izzo being a coach of the Phoenix Mercury. I'm not joking when I say that there's a chance that he's going to try to get Tom Izzo to have a role with the Suns in the future, if that be consultant or whatever you want to call it, I think there's a chance. You watch this real sports thing? You do any research about Matt Ishbia? What is the, what is the he, accusatory he tone Tom Izzo, you're taking there? You think I do no he,
2: research ever the way you said no, that? No, I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking
1: to the audience here. Okay. If you watch it, you will see that he thinks that Tom Izzo like he he practically credits Tom Izzo with making him a billionaire you know he thinks he changed his life he's very adamant in 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 giving Tom Izzo credit and I could see him trying to bring him on as Tom Izzo gets older and maybe wants like a little little bit of a step back of a role um, you know and we'll see if that ends up happening. But also, I think front office wise, the Suns front office. I, maybe we haven't talked about this much. I know we've mentioned it. It's full of Baylor guys. Uh, for some reason, there's like five five Baylor guys that work for the Suns right now, whether it be coaching or in the front office. And uh, I I do wonder if that starts to change, right? If we start to see, I don't know, these guys these guys are that are college guys the way Matt is I think they are gonna try to bring other college guys that are associated with their alma mater to their team if they have the opportunity to do that
2: yeah that's where you start to lose me on the logic I mean I understand what you're talking about but like that feels it's short-sighted dumb. to me <laughs> the ty- the type <laughs> I mean of thing we're full you of Baylor want. guys now because yeah.
1: there was a Baylor guy that worked at the Suns that was high
2: up well, in, okay. in, in the past. But there's a difference between I worked at this place, so I'm going to bring in who I know, which is fine. I mean, like, you know, networking happens naturally, and you're just going to yeah. have a network of people who worked right. in the same places as you. That's yeah. that's okay. Um, if it starts to become like, like college nepotism, collegiate rivalry type stuff, <laughs> like, oh, I would yeah. never hire a guy from Duke. I mean, I don't think anyone really <laughs> thinks that way. But but yeah, I I don't know. We'll see. Jalen Rose is going to be the
1: coach of the Suns. <laughs> God. Magic Johnson, general manager. God. Uh, that's the
2: one. <laughs> that's, that's the other guy. He he already congratulated him on Twitter. And I'm like, just don't make Magic Johnson our GM. And and I think yeah. we'll be set. We'll Chris
1: Webber, coach, uh, coaching the Mercury. <laughs> uh, I think there's something that can happen. One thing I'll say is, you know, they're, they're – is there's a subreddit on on Reddit that is about former employees that worked for the mortgage company that um, Matt Ishbia owns, and uh, they don't like him. And you know, I hope that doesn't lead to any sort of bad treatment of employees. I think any gigantic corporation probably has a lot of disgruntled employees, and it sucks. And you know, I think often with a lot of these companies, if you just paid them right, <laughs> they probably would be a lot less uh, disgruntled um but we'll see i hope that doesn't lead to any sort of um bad news about him in the past but let's just quickly say this is the end of the robert sarver era of the phoenix suns and i think it was an era that was defined by bad decisions and that is how we will look at it were there good teams in that era yeah it started out with a good team in steve nash he inherited a good team and he very quickly turned it into a bad team after one last run with Steve Kerr in 2010. And then they were bad and did not make the playoffs for essentially 10 years. Now it was capped off at the end by, I think, a remarkable job by James Jones. We talk about James Jones a lot in the, from the perspective of just sort of analyzing his moves. But A general manager's job often is to work with an owner to find the best way to sort of manage up. And James Jones, for all the credit that he gets for the team, maybe should get a little bit more credit for just finding a way to create a winner while somebody like Robert Sarver uh, owned the team. And of course, he did a good job making the team a winner. And then, of course, the end of the Robert Sarver tenure was when that ESPN article was published, which led to the investigation, which led to him selling the team. Good riddance, as far as I'm concerned. I think he was bad at owning a team. He seems to be someone who treats people badly. And I don't hear a lot of good stories about him outside of that. Do you have any last words on the Robert Sarver era for the Phoenix Suns? Yeah,
2: well, I definitely agree with everything you said. I I guess it's just in my own reflections about it, it's interesting in that for both of us, he's all we've ever known. Yeah, right. Like That's you true. also yeah. I became a Suns fan around when Robert Sarver acquired in yeah, 2005. Team yeah, because actually, I was right I after, was a little kid. Yeah, but I think mm-hmm. you were the you were older than me. But I think you became a fan at about the same time. And it's just it's been 18 years. It's this is this is hit <laughs> and a new chapter is about to begin. We'll see what that brings.
1: Yep. I mean, congratulations to Suns fans. You know, congratulations, hopefully, to the employees of the Phoenix Suns. I hope this leads to to a much better working environment for anyone who works for the suns if you're listening and you're an employee of the suns like i know there are some that do i hope this all works out great for you i hope all of the best of you are capable of holding on to your jobs for as long as possible and uh, i look forward to seeing what this means for the suns in the future we don't really know right now i choose to be optimistic about this and uh And hopefully I keep that optimism for as long as possible. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for joining us for an emergency episode. We'll be back with another episode soon. If we don't talk to you between now and Christmas, have a great Christmas. Happy holidays. Anything else, Sam?
2: That's all. See you soon.
0: Let the joyous news be spread. The wicked old witch at last is dead.
2: Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio.